Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you, to worship with you on this fine morning. Uh, before we dive into the message, I, I just want to say a few words about what's happened this past weekend. I think, as you're all aware, there have just been a lot of tragic events that have happened in the past couple days. I mean, really, it's kind of consistent pretty much every weekend. But yesterday, we hear about this mass shooting that took place in Pittsburgh at a synagogue and how tragic that is. And as the, as the body of Christ, as followers of Jesus, I think we need to think through how we respond to these things. Uh, we want to first remember that the most powerful asset that we have is prayer. And so I would encourage you to keep uh, that synagogue and really the whole Jewish community in your prayers uh, through this very tragic and scary time. Also, I think it's a reminder, too, that our responsibility as Christians is to call out hatred and division, that we can't sit back and be silent when we encounter that. Jesus doesn't give us that option, and so we need to be on the lookout, and we need to advocate for people, and we need to treat others with the kind of grace and love that God has treated us with. And, uh, you know, I guess one other thing I would just say for what it's worth, uh, you know, we live in such a divisive time, and a lot of what gets lived out is online, you know, social media or posting after articles, and you know, there's this temptation, I think, as Christians to try to make a point all the time. You know, I've got this point of view, and I want people to, you know, agree with me, or I want them to understand what I think. Well, what I want you to consider is that it's much more important to consider your posture instead of just always making a point. That's going to go a whole lot further. What's your posture when you're online, or when you're in a debate with someone, or when you're talking with someone you don't agree with or has a different point of view. Let's be people who put posture over making a point. Let's treat others with the grace and the love that Christ has treated us with. Remember, we're called to be a light in the darkness. And so in these scary, divisive, you know, just hate-filled times, I think we can be a great witness to the rest of the world. So it's a little encouragement for you, and of course, keep all the people that are affected by these tragedies in your prayers. Well, as I start out this morning, I want to share with you about my grandpa, Jack. He's one of my favorite people in all of the world. And ever since I was a little kid, my grandpa, Jack, and I have gone on adventures together. It first started out by we'd go on camping trips together, and he loves Arizona. So we'd be down in Arizona and be all over the desert. And then eventually we started to backpack together, and eventually we hiked the entire Superior hiking trail the, along Lake Superior in northern Minnesota. And as he's gotten older, we don't do as much backpacking, but he really developed a love for jeeping. So he's got these really cool jeeps, one in Arizona and one in Minnesota. And that's a picture from two years ago, I think. That's the Mexican border south of Tucson. And so I love hanging out with my grandpa Jack. But I remember one specific time. We were off-roading up in uh, just south of Thunder Bay, Canada, and he had just bought a new Jeep, and he decided this would be a good time to teach me how to drive a stick shift. I think I was 17 years old. So we were on these back roads in the forest of Canada. There's no one else around. It's perfect. There's a lot of ups and downs, and we practiced for an afternoon, and I was getting pretty good at it. In fact, I was pretty confident in my ability, so much so that I convinced him that I should drive back when we drove across the border into America. 
So we went down Highway 61, and we eventually got to the border station, and we encountered a very crabby border agent. Like, he was not buying our story for some reason that, you know, we were up camping and jeeping south of Thunder Bay. So he kept grilling us with questions, and he just wasn't a happy guy. Finally, he said, all right, I'm going to let you into America. And so I was excited, and I let up on the clutch too fast, and I completely peeled out. And we just took off. My grandpa's like, don't look back, just keep driving. (laughs) Almost an international incident, but we got through it. But that's seared into my memory, and so when I see a car up here with a stick shift, I'm like, oh man, just kind of reliving that day. But we are in a series called Shift. And the heart behind this series is that Jesus has given us a clear mission as a church and as the people of God. He says, go and make disciples of every nation. Here in Calvary, we say we want to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. But the problem is we see people all over the world and in our community that are disengaged people that aren't buying the whole Christianity thing, more and more people will check the box saying they have no religious affiliation. And so as we look around, it has to break our hearts just like it breaks God's heart. As we look around, we have to say this is unacceptable for this many people to be living without a saving relationship in Jesus. But in order to live out our mission effectively as a church and as individuals, I think it's going to take a shift, a shift in how we think about things and a shift in how we choose to practice our faith. And that's what this series is all about. You see, I think as a church, what we tend to do oftentimes is to stay stuck in neutral and we don't go anywhere. We just kind of keep doing the same thing and we don't get any different results. Other times, what we actually do is I think we shift into reverse We think, you know, it's better to live in the past. It's a lot more comforting there. I like what happened when I was a kid. And, you know, don't try anything too crazy. But the problem is, if we're going in reverse, then we're missing out on the future that God has for us. So we're inviting you and we're inviting our church to think about a shift in our faith and a shift in how we live that out in the world. So a couple of weeks ago, we kicked it off by talking about how we need to shift from coasting to growing in our faith. You see, you don't ever graduate in your faith this side of heaven. There is another step you can take, whether you've been a believer for 75 years or 75 minutes. There is another step of faith that you can take today. And so we need to recognize that our kind of preference a lot of times is to sit back and to coast, figure we're good to go, wait for heaven to come someday. But Jesus doesn't give us that option. Following Jesus is always a growing experience. So how are you going to take that step today and tomorrow and into the future? Well, then last week, Pastor Jason did an incredible job talking about a shift from religion to relationship. You know, too often we approach Christianity just like another religion. It's all about rules. It's all about legalism. What can we do? But instead, Jesus invites us into a living relationship where he says it's already done. And he died on the cross for our sins. And he invites us into this dynamic relationship with him. And instead of going out into the world and just trying to get people to follow rules, he tells us to go out and invite people 
into that same living relationship with him. And that's something that's attractive. That's something that's compelling to an unbelieving world. Well, this morning, I want to look at a passage that takes place in John chapter 4. And this is a time when Jesus has just had his interaction with the woman at the well. You might remember that story. It's a lost woman. Her life is in shambles. And Jesus is there. He encounters her. And he offers her living water. And she is blown away by his grace and love. And her life is turned around. And she is so excited about her encounter with Jesus that she goes back to town back into this community where she is an outcast and people walk on the other side of the road. She goes back and she tells everyone about Jesus who she just met, about this living water that he offers. But meanwhile, the disciples come back and they're always kind of behind. They never quite get what Jesus is doing. And so they come and and the passage says, meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Like he's had a packed morning. He's got all these encounters, you know. He's got to be hungry. Let's order some pizza, right? But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. And they're thinking, did someone bring him food where we, while we were gone? Like they picked up a burger or what? How has he got food with him? But then Jesus explains what he's talking about. He says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Jesus uses this moment as a teaching opportunity for his disciples. He says, what fills me is to fill other people. I get nourished by nourishing others. And I do this through doing God's will. And doing God's work, which means loving and serving and caring for other people like God tells us to. You see, the disciples are always thinking so small and they don't understand the bigger picture. What Jesus is pointing out is you guys are just, you know, you're concerned about consuming. You're just concerned about yourselves. Jesus isn't saying, you know, skip lunch forever. But he's trying to invite them to see the bigger picture, the bigger vision that they should be more concerned about how they are contributing than how much they're concerned about consuming. Now, the reason this is such a big lesson and it's so important for them and it's important for us is that this goes against our human nature. Every one of us is inherently selfish, if we're honest. We are all self-interested. We are all turned inward, which is really the definition of sin. Now, if you have children, remember back to maybe when they were two years old and you had to teach them to be selfish. Do you remember that? Like you gave them a toy and you said, now this is the time that you yell, mine. Did anybody have to do that? Of course not, right? Every child instinctively knows how to be selfish. It's our human nature. And the truth is, most of us at times are no better than a two-year-old. We like to get our way. We're inherently self-interested and self-centered. We're focused way more on consuming than we are on contributing. And so Jesus is saying to us, just like he said to his disciples, I have a higher calling for you. I want you to be who God created you to be. 
I want you to follow my lead and follow my example and pour into other people, even at your own expense. I want you to sacrifice in order to reach out to others. I mean, there's always going to be this tension. You're always going to be pulled in the selfish direction. But Jesus says, watch what I do and live that out in your daily life. Now, anyone who's my age or older knows this refrain, down cold. It was an advertising campaign that was around for many years. And it goes like this. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onion on a... These guys are awesome. It's the recipe for a Big Mac, right? It was a big deal when McDonald's constructed this perfect hamburger. The thing is, though, when you went and ordered a Big Mac... That is exactly what you were getting. There was no exceptions. If you want a Big Mac, you're going to get it exactly like the advertisement says. But then something big happened. 1973, Burger King turned everything upside down. And they came up with this new concept. And it was revolutionary in the fast food world. And I actually found one of the first ads that came out in 1974, and I want you to take a look at it. Have it your way, have it your way, have it your way at Burger King. May I help you, sir? Two Whoppers, two Whopper Juniors, and four Coca-Cola. And when I have to wait long, if you made one Whopper with... No pickle and no lettuce? No, sir. Hold a pickle, hold a lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Oh, well, in that case, could I have the other Whopper with extra ketchup? Sure. We can serve your grilled beef Whopper fresh with everything on topper. Any way you think is proper, have it your way. Now, that's the way to do things. Our way. Couple observations. First, Calvary in no way endorses, endorses Burger King, all right? Until they decide to pay to sponsor a sermon, we're not, not holding them up. Number two, wouldn't you love to go to a restaurant where they sing your order? I think that would be awesome. I would for sure go there. But as you heard as she sang, hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us. Some kind of ring to it, right? Suddenly, you could say, I want it this way, and not that way. And they'll make it special for you. And there's this new era that came to be, where the customer is king. It's all about me and what I want. Now, the thing is, this have it your way mentality, this it's all about me way of thinking, really seeped into all of our culture. And it also seeped into our churches. Suddenly, there was this thing, maybe you've heard of it before, called church shopping. Maybe some of you have been a church shopper before. And what often happens is people go from church to church and they say, you know, this one didn't really meet my needs. This one, you know, I'm not really sure I jive with it. This one, you know, didn't do enough for me. And suddenly, it was all about having it our way. And this type of thinking is 
created this consumeristic mindset for many people. I come to church to be served. I come to hear my favorite music. I come to feel comfortable. I mean, this is my church, and I'm more important than anyone who's not here today. Now, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, this plays itself out in the whole idea of church membership. Now, think again about what this implies. Membership in our culture is usually about privileges, and it's about perks, and it's about being comfortable. This past summer, my wife Lexi and I were traveling in Asia with my brother and his wife. And my brother travels all the time for his job. So he's like this diamond, elite, gold, pearl, status, exalted, something or other. (laughs) Basically, everywhere we went, we got whisked around lines. We were first in, first out. We got to go in these secret lounges. There was somebody everywhere asking us, can I get you something else? Is there anything else you need? Membership has its privileges. Membership is great. But here's the thing, church. Jesus doesn't call us to be members. Jesus doesn't call us to be members where we get to be served, where we always get our way. Jesus calls us to be partners, to be partners with him in spreading the good news of the gospel, to partner together, to be a light into our world. Now, partnership instead of membership means responsibility on each one of our parts. It means sacrifice on our part. And it means coming together to fulfill the mission that Jesus has already given us. Now, it also means no one person is more important than another, especially when we're already a part of the body of Christ. We need to be willing to put our wants and desires and preferences on the back burner in order to reach others who aren't yet part of the family. Partnership implies activity. It's participatory, where everyone is contributing. You see, Jesus wants us to realize, as followers of his, as a church, that we are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. There's really two ways We can approach our walk and our faith. Is it all about us? Or is it about others who desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus? You see, what this means is it's not about having it our way. No, instead, it's about doing things God's way. It's not about having it our way. It's always about doing things God's way. So I think it's important every once in a while to do a spiritual checkup, to be asking, how am I doing in this regard? Am I a spiritual consumer or am I a spiritual contributor? Now, you might remember Jeff Foxworthy many years ago had a routine where it was, you might be a redneck if. So we're going to try out, you might be a spiritual consumer if. Now, I might be stepping on some toes here, and I'm willing to risk it. Give me a little bit of grace. You might be a spiritual consumer if you come to worship, you drop off your kids with a bunch of volunteers, and you go have a donut, and you don't step up to help. You might be a spiritual consumer if you come to worship, and you think the service should be crafted to please you. 
you might be a spiritual consumer if you're more concerned with how things look in here than all the people who aren't yet here to hear the good news. You might be a spiritual consumer if you come to worship and then you leave with a mental scorecard. First song was kind of an A minus, the second one, B plus. Sermon was like a C minus, I'm not sure where he was going. I hope it's better next week. You might be a spiritual consumer if you look at a prayer card and you see a complaint card. I want you to consider today, how is God calling you to be a contributor? What step is he calling you to take to move from being a consumer to being a contributor? There's two things I want to talk about with you. And the first one is this. God is calling you to serve in his church. Now, I love what Craig Groeschel says. He says, the church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. The church does not exist for us because we are the church, and we exist for the world. It's not about you. It's not about me. The church exists for the sake of the world. Now, this is where words get baggage, and they're not always helpful as they get translated, because originally in the Bible, the word church simply means the gathered people of God. The church is the gathered people of God. But as that was translated into Scripture and eventually into German, a word was chosen for church that means building. And so we often talk about the church as a building, as a place we go. But that's not what Jesus intended. The church just isn't a place. It's the people. It's all of us gathered together. We don't go to church. We are the church. The church doesn't exist for us because we are the church and we exist for the world. So God gives each one of us gifts to be used in the body of Christ, to be the church in the world. One of the places that Paul talks about this is Romans chapter 12. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. God wants every one of us to be an active part of the church, using our gifts, reaching out to others. The church is the body of Christ. It's a living organism, and you have a vital role to play in this. Now, as some of you might know, today is Reformation Sunday, where we celebrate the significant contributions of the Reformation hundreds of years ago. And one of the major themes of the Reformation was the priesthood of all believers. And it's the idea that every single one of us is equal at the foot of the cross. Every single one of us has a ministry. Every single one of us has a calling. We all have an important part to play in the body of Christ. We don't just leave it up to us pastors or the church staff or the church council. Every single one of us is called to ministry. And the thing is, if you aren't using your gifts, it means something isn't being done. 
If you aren't using your gifts, there might be someone that you are uniquely positioned to reach that isn't being reached. It's kind of like a body missing a major part. We all need to work together. We all have the opportunity to be contributors and not just consumers. Now, I think about the many, many people here at Calvary who use their gifts in so many amazing ways. There are all types of different serving groups. There are people that have stepped up to lead small groups and Bible studies. There are people teaching classes, people living out hospitality, and so, so much more. But if you haven't found a way to use your gifts, if you want to get plugged in and get connected, please let us know. Shoot me an email. I'll get you connected with the right people because you have an important role to play in the body of Christ. Number two, God is calling you to serve as his church. Every week we come together to worship. It's kind of like a family reunion. But then we are sent out to be the church in the community. The purpose of Sundays is not to come and just check the spiritual component of your life off. What it's meant for is to equip and empower us to go into our week and to live out our faith in everything we do, whether we go to school, work, neighborhoods, and wherever else we go. We are called to go out and be the church. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are supposed to be light in the darkness of this world. It's why this church was planted on this corner in 1946 to be a lighthouse in the darkness of this world. We aren't saved by our good works. We are saved for good works. And the purpose of these good works is not so we get recognition and accolades. It's so that God gets the glory, so that people are pointed to him. Now, the thing about light we all know this to be true, is when you gather lights together, the light is even brighter. And so when we come together as a church and we serve together, and when we are the church together in the world, the light is that much brighter. And we have so many opportunities to do this, to reach out to people in need. There are so many people struggling right in front of our faces. We have the opportunity to stand up and fight injustice wherever we see it. We can work for equality, even for people we don't agree with, even for people we might not even like. But you see, when we actually live out our faith the way that Jesus teaches us, it's attractive, it's compelling to other people. It causes people to say, you know, I might not believe what those people do, but I sure hope one of my kids marries one of them. I sure wish I had a boss who was one of them. How are you living out your faith in how you interact each and every day? Remember, Jesus said, they will know you are my followers by your love. Not by how you vote, not by how well you debate online, not how you 
argue with someone, not how you look down on someone. He says, they will know you are my followers by how well you love. One day, James and John, Jesus' disciples, mom came. She came up next to Jesus and said, can I talk to you about something? Jesus said, sure. She said, hey, when you get to heaven, can my boys have the best seats? You can imagine James and John saying, mom, stop embarrassing us in front of Jesus. But Jesus had an amazing response. He said, whoever wants to be great must be a servant. And he said that even he who is the savior of the world, who's equal with God, came to serve and not to be served. And he said he even came to give up his life as a ransom for many. See, this means Jesus is the ultimate contributor. He was willing to give up his life for you and for me while we were still sinners. He stopped at nothing, giving his whole life away so that we could have life, so that we could have forgiveness. And now he calls us to follow his example, to seek to serve others instead of just being served, to be contributors instead of just being consumers. My dream for this church is that we would commit together to being contributors and not just consumers that we would consistently give more than we receive, that we would love more than we are loved, that we would serve more than we have been served, that we would be people sold out for God's mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus, that we would create, create a welcoming place where even unchurched people love to attend, that we wouldn't judge and condemn people outside the kingdom, but instead we would love and serve them into the kingdom. That we wouldn't keep asking what's in it for me, but instead we would say, how can we reach more? You see, as a church and as individuals, if we're going to grow and if we're going to reach people like Jesus calls us to, if we're actually going to live out our mission statement, if we're going to be, just be content to gradually die out in a couple generations, if we're not going to stop living in the past and go into God's preferred future, every one of us needs to commit to being a contributor and not just a consumer. Now, that might mean sacrificing something, even something dear to us, but we're doing it for the sake of others. I mean, it might mean sometimes having something crazy like a car on stage. It might mean having a bunch of lights it might mean different music, different instruments, who knows. But that's okay because Jesus reminds us it's not about us. It's about what can we do to reach the lost in our world. You are called to be a vital part of God's mission. Not to just be a consumer, not to just be an observer. Not to be sitting on the bench critiquing everybody else. It's one of my favorite illustrations of the church. Too often the church is like a football game. There's 22 people on the field in desperate need of a rest. And there's thousands of people in the stands in desperate need of exercise. <laughs> are you a contributor? Or are you just sitting in the stands being a consumer? As we close, I want to invite you 
to repeat something after me. My prayer is that these words would sink into your heart. So will you repeat after me? I have a gift and a purpose. I have an important I have an important part to play in the body of Christ. What fills me up is to do the will and work of God. The church doesn't exist for me. We are the church. And we exist for the world. Amen.